0: Welcome to Halakha Hour here on J-Root Radio on Wednesday at 2 p.m. live. This is the Halakha Hour on J-Root Radio. Let's give you first the numbers how to reach us, and then we'll get straight to the class. The numbers to reach us are the following. If you would like to call in during the show, the number is 718-683-5858. And we are discussing the Halakhot of Mukse. So please try to keep and limit your questions specifically to the subject of Muqtseh, although it's a big subject, but try to limit it to uh, specifically questions related to what we are going to speak about. The number to text in your question, which is preferable, 347-927-8398. As always, we'll be here after the class if anybody has a question, that's the best time to really call us off the air and we can answer you as you wish, or whatever you would like to ask. The number is to listen to the radio on the phone, 718-506-9099 or 712-432-4217. Also, you can access this class on the web, jrootradio.com. And there you could also watch this video with the classes. We're going to get live streaming. And then, finally, the last way that you can listen is through your phone. And let me just shut off my phone as we speak. The phone number, I mean not the phone number, but the app. If you have a smartphone, you can listen through your smartphone app, J Root Radio Pro app. The Halakha Hour is a class where we discuss halakhot. We try to clarify and bring to practicality the halakhot of Shabbat. Right now we're in the middle of halakhot Shabbat. And usually we speak or oh, we start off from the Benish Hai. The second section in Benish Hai. Benish Hai has actually two parts to it. Both of them are halakhot. The second part that I means to say the second year discusses the Halakhot, or it starts with the Halakhot of Shabbat. We're up to Parashat mikets and the subject of Mukse. Last week. And this week we will be speaking about the introduction to halachot mukse. As we mentioned last week, the halachot mukse are very complicated. They're very—it's it's a lot. It's a big, big subject, and there is no way possible, really, for this type of class to be able to teach all of halachot mukse. But we are giving introductions to make it a little bit easier to understand the subject of mukse to a practical level, and we know our audience, we know who's listening, especially in the car and things, so we try to make it very clear and simple that we should all be able to apply these halachot on a regular basis. If you have not listened to last week's class, it's highly recommended that you go to the archives and listen, so you could just be, you know, basically with us. This class, today's class, is going to be part two of the introductions of Halakhot I hope that after today's class we'll be able to get to the actual halakhot from the Benish high which will probably be next week let's now last week we spoke mostly about the background and the history of muqseh the reasons why mukse is asur mostly was uh, i guess explanations why and, and not exactly how the practical or the halachot really Today's class is the introduction, part two, but it deals with the halakhot, really, to mukseh And we'll begin with, really, an introduction that's from the Beit Yosef, and all the Aharonim, pretty much anybody who discussed the subject of mukseh brought the f- same introduction. In order to understand Mukseh, you should know, I, many people who do know about mukseh I don't mean the details of mukseh who just know a little bit about mukseh Don't know exactly, you know, they think that once something is mukseh, that's it. It's all the same. And it's really not. As we're going to see soon, that mukseh has to be categorized. And depending which category an item, which category of mukseh an item falls under, it has its own separate laws. And the categories of mukseh, the Beit Yosef brings down, there are six categories of mukseh. What are these six categories? I'm going to tell you the names. You should be familiar with the names, the way they are in Hebrew. I'm not going to translate what they are. I'm just going to tell you the names. And then after we list these six categories, we'll go and explain a little bit briefly what these six categories are and which ones we will be focusing on. The six categories are, Number one, Number two, Number three, Gufo. Number four, Basis le dabarha asur. Number five, Mukse mahamat isur. And finally, number six, Mukse Muhammad mitzvah. If you know the hachot Mukse, you should say, Yes, okay, that's it. He got it all. That's exactly what the Beit Yosef says. If you are not familiar with the Mukse, you just know the terminology of Mukse. This sounds Chinese, and I know it sounds Chinese. And if I would translate, it, trust me, it would be worse. So let me go ahead and explain. What, what these six categories are, a little bit, very, very briefly, what they are, an example of what they are, and some very, very short rules. But you should know, categorizing the mukseh accompli- we, we accomplish that 60% of the laws of mukseh we have. Just to know how to categorize what item is Mukseh, we have the Halakot of mukseh, 60% of the Halakot we have them already, we're good. The other 40% are all the other details, are all the other laws of Mukse. So let's get to these six categories of Muqseh. You should know, even though we listed six, I'm not going to bother explaining the last one, unless I see I really, really have time. And the reason is because the last category is something that's not so dealt with on a regular, every Shabbat basis. It's rather, it's in the... The it's rather it's it's a subject that's for Yom Tov. So I'll try depending on the time, to see if I'm able if we're able to discuss that last category. Let's begin with the first category of mukseh known as Keli I'll repeat it again. Keli So if you're Ashkenazi listening to my Sfaradi Havara, so I know it makes it a little bit harder. But by God, that's really what it is. Kalis Bakhtul Isur means it's a utensil, it has a function, has a purpose, but its main purpose is something that we cannot do on Shabbat. Let's give an example a pen. A pen is a utensil, you can use it. Utensil doesn't have to be pots and pans, by the way. Utensil is anything that's used. That's, I believe, the definition of utensil. It's an item that has a function. It's a pen, it has a function. But the main thing that the pen is made for is that it should write. And writing itself is sur on Shabbat. So that's called kili. that's a utensil, shemelachto, that its function is le'isur for something that's forbidden to be performed on Shabbat. Let's give you another example. Scissors. What do you use scissors for? To cut. Are you allowed to cut on Shabbat? No. So scissors is ekeli shemelachto le le'isur. Another example, hammer. A hammer also. What is a hammer used for? It's used to build. It's not used to crack coconuts. A hammer is made to build. You knock nails inside, okay? Or you wait till you call the uh, handyman and then you give him that, your hammer to fix or Whatever it is, a hammer is made for building. Is building permitted on Shabbat? The answer is no. So therefore, a hammer is also a keli shemelachto isur. It's a utensil where its purpose is to build, and building is Asur on Shabbat, and therefore the hammer is under this category, Le'isur. Good. Now that we defined what Keli Shemilachtor Le'isur is, we'll give you briefly some of the halakhot, because obviously when we go into the details in the Benin we'll go through all the halachot But it's important to know this, it's important to hear this once and twice and three times, many times over, until you become very familiar with the categories of Mukseh. Although it's mukse, which means in general, you have no permission to handle it, to move it around. However, there are exceptions for this category. Klisha is permitted that you're allowed to move it for what the Gemara and says, something called letzorech me'komo will gufo. What does this mean? I'm allowed to move. Klisha me'komo means if I need the place of the item. Let's give him mashal. I'm coming on Shabbat and I would like to eat my Shabbat meal. I come to set up the table because I'm such a good husband. I help my wife on Shabbat. I set up the table. I come to set up the table and lo and behold, right there where I'm supposed to put down the dish, the plate and the forks and the knives and whatever it is, where I'm supposed to put it down, my kids left the hammer. Or ladies would say, my husband left the hammer. Baruch Hashem, is handy, but he leaves his things around. In any case, the hammer is left exactly, it's on the Shabbat table, where I'm planning to put down the plate. So I need that makum. I need that place for Shabbat. I need to place the dishes over there. I need to put the, the plates and the forks. So although a hammer is mukseh, I'm not allowed to move it in general. But since I need its place... That's called letzorech mekomo. I'm allowed to pick up the hammer and move it and put it where I need to put it. That's called letzorech gufo. So again, keli shemilakhto isur is permitted to move only letzorech mekomo, as we just explained. The other heter, the other time when it's permitted for me to move something that's mukseh, that's in this category, means keli shemilakhto isur is Letzorech Gufo. Let's give another example. You know, with me personally, it happens to be, after Tu Bishbat, I got very into coconuts. I, I like to make a show for all the kids. You know, on Shabbat, I realized that it worked very nice on uh B'Shbat and everybody got, you know, from all the exotic fruits I was able to find, the coconut was, uh because of the show of cracking the coconut, I had to go online to figure out how to do it. It was uh, pretty exciting. So I decided, you know what? It'll be a nice activity to do on Shabbat. I'll buy coconuts. I'll crack it open in front of everybody. It lasted for two weeks. You know, Hashem, that was good enough. In any case, in order to be able to really crack the coconut, here's this trick. You put it in the freezer for 15 minutes. And then after you put it in the freezer for 15 minutes, somehow or whatever, it makes the shell easier to crack. You take it and then you take a hammer and you whack it right in the middle, in the center of the coconut, and it's supposed to make the coconut shell, the hard shell that is, break open in half. And it really works if you really hit it right. So in order to do this, I needed a hammer. Plus, I needed a screwdriver because, you know, those three little, uh what looks like eyes on the coconut, there, are, there's one spot over there that's very soft. And always on one of those three, there's one that's very soft. And if you puncture it, you make a hole over there, you first drain out all the liquid, all the coconut water, and this way you don't make a big mess when you crack it open. So, I needed a hammer and I needed a screwdriver. Let's see. Can I move a hammer on Shabbat? Well, a hammer is made to build. So, therefore, building is asur. So, hammers hammer is isur. It's mukse. But what kind of mukse? Kalisubnahtole isur. A screwdriver. What is a screwdriver made for? You got it. To in in order to drive the screws into the walls or whatever I need, it's made in order to fix. Can I fix on Shabbat? Can I uh, tighten screws on Shabbat? The answer is no. It's a sur, so therefore the screwdriver is also a kli le lesur. It's a utensil where its main function is in order for something that's forbidden. Now in this case over here, it's sitting in my it's sitting on the shelf in my closet. I don't need the shelf of my closet, but I need to crack open the coconut. Can I use it? And the answer is yes, because isur is mutal gufo. What does it mean gufo? If I need it in order to do something that's mutal on Shabbat, then I can use it. I can't take the hammer and knock nails in on Shabbat. That's asur. But to take the hammer to open, a coco- to open up the coconut, which is mutal on Shabbat or to puncture a hole in the coconut, to drain out the coconut juice, which is also Mu'tah on Shabbat, I'm allowed to crack open the coconut, I'm allowed to drain out the water of a coconut on Shabbat, so I'm allowed to also take the hammer, use it to open the coconut, and it's not, it's not a problem mukse Why? It is mukse the item, but this type of Mu'tah, which is klisum Lachtole Isur, is permitted in the case where it's letzorech Gufo, I need the item, I need the utensil itself to do something that's muta on Shabbat and let mekomo. or if the item is in the place which I need on Shabbat, like the first example that we gave where the hammer is sitting or in my seat on Shabbat or on the table where I need to put the dishes on Shabbat. However, although we gave you when it's permitted to move, which is again, remember these words let's mekomo. if I need it the location where it is, or if I need the item itself to do something that's permitted, moving mukseh, this category of mukseh, which is called klisum Lachto isur, is forbidden, but the Halakha says, Mehamma letzel, from sun to shade. What in the world does this mean? Moving from the sun to shade, from outside to inside. The simple meaning is as follows. Although we gave you the Heterim, when you're allowed to move isur, you should know you can't just move it whenever you like. If you're moving the mukse which is categorized as isur, for the sake of the item itself to protect the item or to prevent it from damage, whatever it may be, then that's forbidden. Let's give you a mashal. Let's say I have my hammer sitting in my backyard, and now I see as it become very very windy and it's going to start raining, and the handle to my hammer is wood, and I know if it rains, it's going to ruin my hammer. So what's going to happen now is that in an hour, the rainstorm is going to be over. I'm going to come back after Shabbat, look at my hammer, it's going to be all soggy, and the, the metal is going to be rusty. It's going to ruin the hammer. Can I move the hammer inside the house to protect it from the rain? The answer is no. Why? Because I'm moving the hammer for the two heterim that we gave. The hammer is lachtole Isur. It's made in order to put, to build, which is Asur on Shabbat. The only reason why I'm allowed to move lachtole Isur, I have two heterim. And that's it. One is, let us and let go for. If I need the spot where the mukse is, or if I need the item to do something mutar with it on Shabbat. In this case, where I'm trying to protect the hammer from the bad weather, I'm not doing it for Tzorek Mekumo or Tzorek Gufo. I'm doing it to protect the hammer. That's called Mehammaletzel. And that is for Bin on Shabbat. Whoa, what are you telling me? Now I should get my hammer, I'm going to ruin my hammer? Leave it outside in the rain and it'll get ruined? The answer is no, but you can't move it. What do you mean no, you can't move it? So if I don't move it, it's going to get ruined. I said, no, you put a dish on top of it to make sure that doesn't get wet. And if you can't, you you can't do it for whatever reason may be, then create a reason why you need to move this hammer. Create a purpose. Take out, I don't know, take out some nuts with a hard shell and now use the hammer to crack it open. You could create a reason of why you need the hammer. If you have no reason whatsoever, you can't move it. Even if you're moving just to protect the Kleezblah it's forbidden. But if you could make up the reason, that means you don't have to be desperate in order to use the hammer. If you need to move it because you wanna, you know, you want to protect it, so just say, okay, you know what? Let me take the hammer and crack open with it my walnuts. I could have cracked it open really with uh, you know, with my fist, I could have punched it, but I'm using a hammer. So once I have it in my hand because I need it to crack open my walnuts, so then I could already keep it inside of the house without having to worry that it's going to get ruined. We'll discuss this hit there of moving Qalish Isur to protect it, to protect the item when we get into full details of these halakhot. Good? So let's review a little bit very quickly. Qalish Isur is an utensil where its main function is in order, to, its main function is something that cannot be performed on Shabbat. That's kli shem We gave some examples. Pen, scissors, hammer. It's permitted to move. It's usually mukseh. And I cannot move it except for, two, except for two reasons. There are two exceptions when I could move the kli shem Number one is, let's gufo. If I need that item itself for something that's permitted on Shabbat. For example, a hammer cracking or, or opening up a coconut. Number two is if I need the mekomo, if I need its place. The hammer is sitting on my chair and I need to sit down on my chair on Shabbat so then I can pick up the hammer, put it away, so I could sit on my chair on Shabbat. Now included in this category, all the poskrim, bring in this category, another type of, I guess you would call it a mukseh. It's hard to really define it as mukse because it's permit, most of the time it is permitted to move such an item, But as we explained last week, Really, almost every category, almost every cat- every item in the house, everything around you, somehow qualifies to fit in the category called Mukse uh, fits in some sort of category Muksa. Including the category is a subcategory called, Keli a utensil where its main function is for something that is permitted on Shabbat. Let's give an example. For example, a chair. Chair. What's a chair made for? A chair is made so I could sit on it. Are you allowed to sit on Shabbat? 100%. Awning Shabbos. You don't need on Shabbos. You're allowed to sit on Shabbat. There's no issue of sitting on Shabbat. Table. What's a table made for? In order to put my stuff on it. Food, books, uh, so my kids could jump on it, so they could read the chandelier, whatever it may be, right? Table is made to put stuff on it. Is it permitted to put stuff on your table on Shabbat? And I said, of course. And they, therefore, it's a kli, table is a kli, just like the chair. Shemelachto. that's main function is leheter, something that's permitted on Shabbat. Now, why in the world are we mentioning this? What should be asur over here? And the answer is, that kli shemelachto leheter, it has limitations on when you can move it. As a note, the post bring down that no matter how heavy an item is, If it's mutar, then you can move it. Even though it's it's usually stationary. give you an example. Most people's dining room tables, you know, those big, fancy, wooden ones, the heavy ones, most people's dining room tables, although they're not stationary, they're not, you know, nailed into the floor, but it's so heavy, people don't usually move them. Also, because it's an expensive piece of furniture, if you move them around back and forth, it could possibly ruin it. So therefore, people like to keep their furniture their dining room table in one place. But this doesn't make it mukseh. If now on Shabbat you need to move the table, because now you have you know all your kids come and with their friends and need more room, more space in your dining room. So you want to push the table on the side, even though the table is so heavy and you usually never move it, doesn't make a leheter, Because the table is made for something that's mutar. And therefore it's not muksa, you can move it even though it's so heavy. Even though it takes 10 people, you have to go out in the street and get 10 people to help you move your dining room table, Mutar to move it on Shabbat, no problem. Even if you're doing it for the sake of the item itself, that means in order to protect it, as we explained before, this is called Mehama Letzel. Even if you're moving your dining room table for the sake of its protection, Le Mashal. You see that you finish eating your Sauda, your, your Shabbat meals, and all of a sudden, but there's a leak in the house and it's starting to drip on your wooden table. That's going to ruin the table. You're allowed to move your wooden table away from the leak so it shouldn't ruin your Shabbat table. Ah, I'm moving it for its own protection. It's fine. Like the hammer, that I'm not allowed to move if I'm doing it to protect the item. I'm allowed to move it if I'm if I want to do it even to protect the item itself I want to protect my dining room table from the leak I'm allowed to move it I want to move my chair why so this way my kids don't ruin it their friends are coming over they're gonna do all sorts of things on them mutar it's so why is it mukse And the answer is the heter is limited to the following. There is a time when klis, the heter cannot be moved on Shabbat. When is that time? That time is when you have no reason whatsoever of moving it. You're not doing it because you need the item. You're not moving it because you need to protect the item itself. You're not doing it because you need, you need the space of the item. There's no reason whatsoever. What we call playing around. Just you playing around with it. That's Asur. Let's give an example. Corinthian, she told whole that forks are considered keleesh. So I have a fork. It's a keleesh. It's made mainly to use it to stick the food, you know, to stick it into the side of the food so I could eat. So it's a keleesh. I'm allowed to move it if even for its own protection. I want to move it from here to, uh, you know, I'm done eating and it's sitting on the table. It doesn't look bad. It's pretty clean. I want to move it now, put it back in the drawer because I don't want my kids to play with it and, get, you know, that gets lost. I'm allowed to move it for that purpose. But, you know how some people, you know, they're sitting around and they're just, you know, playing with a fork, flipping it around, playing with it in the, with their fingers? That's actually a sur. Moving an item for no reason whatsoever, that is a sur on Shabbat, even in the case of klishim Shem Lachto Lehetir. Okay, you can move for whatever reason you want, as long as there's a reason, for no reason whatsoever, it doesn't make a difference to you whatsoever, you cannot move it on Shabbat. It's hard. Now You have to think on Shabbat. Yes, that's, that's the whole, like we said last week. Mukse makes you think throughout Shabbat. You cannot go through Shabbat without thinking, because every item has to be first categorized, and once it's categorized, you have to know the halakhot of when you can and when you cannot move the items. Even things that are mutar, like still, there is a time when it will not be mutar, and that is, as like we said, in the time when you're doing it for no reason whatsoever. That is category number one. We move on now to category number two. Category number two, and actually, as we can see, Later on, number two and number three, which is Muksem Han Gufo, are probably the most stringent of all the Muksem. Muksem keys is a utensil where one is so careful from using this utensil for anything else except for what it's made for out of fear of ruining it. Let's repeat it that too many rewards, and my English teacher would tell me this was a run on sentence. I know, but. Let's get all the details, all the conditions. In order for an item to qualify for Mukse Mahmat Hassan Keys, and again, we will explain these halakhot in a very concise way. There's actually big debates of all the qualifications, all the conditions to make something Mukse Mahmat Hassan Keys. We're just giving to you in a simple, simple way. So later on, when we get into the subject, it's a little bit easier. We already heard it. Category number two Mukse Mahmat Hassan Keys is defined as any utensil. Where one will never use this utensil for anything besides its main purpose. Why? Out of fear of ruining it. Let's give you the examples I brought down in Halakha, in the Gemara. A Shehita knife. I don't know if you've ever seen a Shehita knife. It's not a regular knife. Not because of the shape. But the Shehita knife has to be sharpened and it has to be completely straight and smooth without for sure not any nicks but even if the finger if you could feel a little bit that's a little bit not so smooth that's not a you know that's not a, it's not a knife that you should use the to slaughter kosher and you know to, to do kosher slaughtering so shahita knife whoever has a shahita knife is very very careful not to use it except for shahita you have different knives in the house. You have a butter knife, what they call, you know, that that's a knife that you spread. You have a little bit of a sharper knife that's you used, you know, to cut fruits. They have those big knives that use it to cut raw meat or, or like sometimes, you know, some chicken bones. So you can put it in your or whatever you, you want to do with it. You will sometimes, if you can't find your sharp knife to, you know, the, the, the sharper knife, you may use a butter knife to cut fruits. Yes, you would rather use the sharp knife to cut fruits. It's much smoother, but if you don't, you'll take the other knife, the butter knife, and you'll use it to cut fruits. If you can't find any knife to cut your fruit, a person who's a shohet will not go to his knife and use it to cut fruit. Why? It's so expensive. It's so valuable. It doesn't have to be expensive million dollars, but so valuable that that you don't want to ruin it by using it for something else. You're going to make sure that it stays sharp and you're not going to ruin it by using it to cut meat, even to cut fruits, even to spread cream cheese on your on your sandwich. You're not going to use shahita knife for that. Since the shaitan knife is something that you're so careful from using it for anything besides its main function, what it's made for, because out of fear that might get ruined, it's categorized, it is categorized under the category of muksa mahamat, mahamat means because of Hesron Kis. Hesron Kis literally means, your pocket is missing, but means financial loss. Because of the fear of losing the value or losing the item, you will not use this item for anything besides what it's made for. Therefore, this is called mukse Mahmat Hesron Kis. In such a category of مكسي, when we come across such a category, if something is categorized as mukse Mahmat Hasron Kis, then the Halakha says, that you cannot move it at all. You cannot move in a normal way at all. That's it. It stays where it is. Even if you change your mind one time, and say, you know what? I really want to eat my watermelon. And I'm not going to stick my face in this half a watermelon. How am I going to eat it? It's not not mechubad. I can't find any knife, not even a plastic knife. I'm going to go take my shahita knife. If you decide, you know what, today it's worth it. It's very hot, my AC is barely working. At least my fridge is working, made my watermelon cold. I'm deciding today to change my mind. I'm going to go take my shahita knife and I'm going to use it to cut my watermelon. Doesn't make a difference what you decided. Shahita knife is categorized as Muqseh Mahmata kis. And even though you were changing your mind just for now, doesn't make a difference. It remains under that category and because it's under the category of Muqseh Muhammad Kis, it becomes forbidden to move whatsoever. You cannot move it. It has to say there. Even though I need its goof, let's talk goof. No, Asur. Even if this shahita knife is on the table where I need to place my plate, forbidden. Even let's talk mekomo, you're not allowed to move something which is Muqseh Muhammad And that is category number two. Now we go on to category number three, mukse, Muhammad Gufo. Mukse, Muhammad, because of Gufo of its of the item itself. This is a very broad category. This is any item, anything basically, that doesn't have a function. It's not a killie. Not like muxey Muhammad Hassan kis it has to be kli it has to be made for something. Here, this category muxey includes all items that don't have a function at all. Let's give you an example: rock, rocks. You know, stones, pebbles, all these things. What the, what, what's a rock? Is a, is a rock a khali? No. Could you make it a khali? Yeah, but right now, as it is, you know, those people that have like little lakes in the backyard, or or even if you go, you go walking, you go by a lake, and you know, all those stones and pebbles over there by the water, what are they, what are they there for? They look nice. You're right. But do they have a khali? Are they a khali? Are they used to, for any purpose? No. So that khali, that rock now is under the category of Mukse Muhammad Gufo. It has no function whatsoever. Another example, dirt. Dirt, what is the dirt for? Yes, I could take dirt and use it like, you know, for, uh, for a playgroup project in order to, you know, put those little uh, seeds inside of it and watch the plant grow that like we all do on Shavuot. Very nice, all our kids do that on Shavuot. But still, dirt in itself has no function. It's just dirt. Dirt also will be in the category of mukse, Mahmat Gufo, it's say why? Because in itself, it doesn't have a function. And the last example that we're going to give, and I'm pointing it out because it is important, money. That includes all types of money. Dollars, peso, shekel, uh, I, I think that's, okay, lira. That's it from my currency knowledge right now. Okay. Dollars includes bills, includes coins, includes anything, a penny, and includes a $100,000 bill if you have such a thing. It includes even a $100. Dollars are mukse Mahmat Gufo. Even though you may say, one second, money has a purpose. I can buy with it. It's made to buy. But in itself, it has no inherent purpose. I'll give you an example. Dollar only has a value because we decided it has a value. Supposed to say, on Chabad itself, let's say, given has this should happen, you know, make us all bankrupt, but let's say, on Chabad itself, all of a sudden, the president decides to change his mind. He comes down, he says, ladies and gentlemen, Rabotai and everybody else, I would like to announce that from now on, we will not be using dollars anymore. The dollar is getting weaker, the euro is getting stronger. From now on, all dollar bills are worth zero. We'll only be using euros from now on and come and we'll be giving out the first 10,000 euros to every single person who comes you know, online. So now you have in your house millions of dollars, millions of hundred dollar bills. How much are they worth now? Zero. You can't buy anything with it anymore. So that shows me that really money in itself has no inherent value. It's only because people decided, but inherently it has no function. It's not like today a hammer. Okay, so let's say now they come out with this new machine that you don't need a hammer. It just will be used. You know, you you need nails to put in. So you just take this like, uh, I guess they come up with an app, you know, on your phone. And you just point your phone towards the nails and it'll just hammer them in. Imagine such an invention. So you're right, you won't need a hammer anymore. But the function of a hammer doesn't go away if you want to use a hammer to break your coconut, to break glass, to break a table, it's still there. Even if you want to hammer a nail, it's still there. The function is there. It. it didn't go away. Unlike money, when we take away its value, when people decide it has no more value, that's it, it's gone. So it has no inherent value. It has no inherent purpose or function. So that's the difference between money and a hammer. Money has no inherent purpose or value. So therefore, money is categorized under Mukse Mahmat Gufo. Okay, fine. So rocks, dirt, money, Mukse Mahamat Gufo. got it. What's the law? What's the halakha? The answer is just like Mukse Mahamat Hassan Kis, Mukse Mahamat Gufo cannot be moved at all. So if you have money in your drawer, you cannot move it. You can't say, I needed space. No, you cannot move it. If you have a rock in your house because your kids brought it in, you can't pick it up and throw it in the garbage. With your hand regularly. How could you move it? We'll teach you as that as you get to the halakhot. But you can't just go ahead and pick up a rock and throw it in the garbage. Why? Mukse Mahmat Gufo. I'm not waiting to take a hundred dollar bill and throw it in the garbage. But if you have a hundred dollar bill actually, and it's all of a sudden it fell out of your jacket pocket and it's right there in the center of the living room, you can't pick it up and put it in the drawer either. It has no value. Don't say I need it, it's makom. I need nothing. You cannot move it in a regular way. How could you move it? We'll get to those halakhot when we get into detail. But that we're just defining right now. Mukse, Muhammad Gufo, is forbidden to be moved, just like Mukse, Muhammad Hassan. you can't move it for whatever purpose it is. You cannot move it in a normal way. Move on now to category number four. Category number four is actually discussed in detail in a separate Semana Shemana in seman Shneiud. It's also in a separate Parasha in the Benish Hai. This is Parashat Miketz. The following Parashat is Parashat Vayigash, where Ben Shai continues to talk about the laws of Muqseh, but over there he focuses more on this category of a so-called Basis ledabar HaAsur. Basis ledabar HaAsur. What does this mean? Basis, it's like very, very, very similar to the word in English, base, right? A Basis. It's ba- It's a base for something that's Asur. basically, even if something is mutar to be handled with, it's something that you could move on Shabbat, let's take, for example, a tissue box that's open. You're taking tissues out of it, right? You're allowed to do that. You can use tissues on Shabbat. Assuming, of course, that the tissues are not being ripped. Okay, so I'm using tissues on Shabbat. That's fine. That's great. Okay, now what's the problem? If I would take something that's muqseh and place it on top of something that is... Not mukse, like a tissue box. Okay, so let's say I'm taking money and I placed it on top of a tissue box. So then the tissue box right away, since it's being used to hold the mukse, so then the tissue box also becomes mukse. There is so much detail in this halakha. I'm saying it in a very vague way because I don't want to give it away this way or that way and confuse anybody. But the example that we gave is emit That if there was money that was placed on a tissue box, and the money is mukse, fine, but what does it have to do with the tissue box? Now, the tissue box itself also becomes mukse. And here's the hadush. If the money was placed there from before Shabbat, going into Shabbat, even if the money falls off the tissue box, the tissue box also remains mukse. Amazing, right? One more time. Tissue boxes are not muxa. I can move them. I can move it from here, from there, even if I want to protect it. It's khalisha. However, if I came out of Shabbat and I decide that I want to put my money on my tissue box and keep it there for Shabbat, and now I come on Shabbat and I realize, oh, wow, I didn't know it's going to be so cold in June and it's freezing cold outside and I need to use some tissues. I need to move the tissue box. Oh, I got my money on it. I can't move my tissue box because I have money on it. Money is Muksim Muhammad Gufo. Tissue box also, even though but I can't slide it from under the money. That's it. It becomes a basis. It becomes the base. Okay. I leave the room, I come back in half an hour, I realize that somebody knocked off the money from the tissue box. Now, the tissue box is free of the mukseh that's on top of it. No, it doesn't help me. Since the money was placed on the tissue box before Shabbat to be there for Shabbat, now that the money fell off, the tissue box does not lose its status of mukseh as it went into Shabbat. It becomes a basis asur, which I may not move, even though the money fell off of it. Again, a lot of details to this, a lot of conditions, and you can already think of a million questions you could ask. What if, what if that? Yes. All that will be is asked in Halakha. And we hope to clarify in its in its in the proper time when we get to Parashat Vayash. Move on now to the fifth category Mukseh, which we will discuss, and that is Known as Muqseh Mahmat Isur. What is Mukse Mahmat Isur? Mukse Mahmat Isur is anything which I couldn't have access to it on Shabbat unless I do something forbidden. Meaning that the only way I could access it is by doing something forbidden. An example to understand what we're talking about. If I have an apple on a tree, hanging on a tree, the apple is fully ripe, it's delicious, and now I come on Shabbat, and I, I, I forget to pick it off the tree. I come on Shabbat, and I see the apple looking at me. I'm looking at the apple. We're eyeing each other, and apple saying, eat me. And I'm saying, yes, I will, but it's on the tree. If I rip off the apple from the tree, I will be transgressing an isu called tolesh, isu doraita. I'm not allowed to pick things from a tree from where they naturally grow from. Okay, can I bite the apple of the tree? No, that's also tolish. What's the difference. If I'm doing with my mouth, I'm eating off the tree. If I pick it off with my hand, I'm removing the apple from the tree, so it's forbidden, right? So usually food is not mukseh, as we're going to learn soon. Food is not mukse, but this case that the food, the only way I could access the food is by doing something else, which in this case, ripping it off the tree. So I have, that's called muk. So that makes this fruit. It's because the only way I can access is by doing an Isur. What's a halakha? Okay, I know I can't be Tolesh. So what's the law? The law is that even if somehow or another, this tree shook on Shabbat and the apples fell. And now I come on Shabbat and I say, Wow, look at that. The, the apple really loves me. It fell off the tree. It's a sign from Shemayim. I'm supposed to eat the apple. No, it's a sign from Shemaim, go learn, he'll That apple is mukse, Mahmat Isur, even though now it's not attached to the tree. I don't have to go ahead and do any melaka to get to the apple. It's off the tree already. But I know that it fell off the tree now. It was hanging there on Shabbat. Therefore, it makes this apple mukse, Mahmat Isur. Even though it's off the tree, the apple remains mukse. I may not move it on Shabbat. Why? Because it came to Shabbat in a way where I didn't have access to it unless I do an Isur. This is known as isur, which again, like all the other categories, they need to be clarified, need to be discussed in detail. Those are the five categories of Muqseh that we will go into in these two parashat Meketz and parashat Vayigash. And they are again, one more time, This is an a utensil, an item that's main function is, there's two categories over here, two, one and a subcategory. Kli is a utensil that's made, where its primary function is to do something that's forbidden on Shabbat, like we said, a pen which is made to write, a hammer which is made to nail, uh, to hammer in nails. One is a mutar to move, and one is a forbidden to move. It's mutar to move them. Let us zorah gufo umaykomo. It's mutar to move them if I need its place or if I need the item itself. But, I may not move it, if it's made, if I'm, my intention is to moving it, is to protect it, If I have no purpose, but just to protect the item itself, is in that way, and I cannot move it. The subcategory of this is I can move it for whatever reason I have, as long as it's a reason, even if I want to protect the item itself, but, if I have no reason whatsoever, I cannot move a klees such as a fork. If I have no reason of moving it from next to me to away from me. Just stop. I'm playing. That's Asur. Category number two. Mukse And the item where I'm so careful not to use it except for what the item is made for because I'm scared I'm going to ruin the item like a shahita knife where I will not use it except for shahita. So that... Type of Mukse, Mukse Muhammad Hassan keys is forbidden to move at all. It's completely forbidden to move. I have no heter of moving them around. Third category muqseh, muqseh, Muhammad gufo. Anything which has no function, like rocks, dirt, money. Those things don't have their own function. They're, they're not made to be used. They're not utensil. They're not made, they're not they're not made to use for anything. So therefore it's muqseh, Muhammad gufo and I cannot move it at all. Fourth category is Basis Edabar Asur. This is something that is permitted to move in general. But in this case, it came into Shabbat with having something Mukseh on top of it. It retains its Mukseh status even though the Mukseh fell off of it. Since it was a base for something that's Asur, it's Basis Edabar Asur. Even though the Asur fell, went away on Shabbat, that means to say the Mukseh went away on Shabbat, the item retains its status of mukseh until Shabbat is over. And finally, mukseh Mahmat Isur. This is anything which I couldn't have access to it on Shabbat unless I do an Isur. Even if the Isur goes away like a fruit on a tree, the Isur is ripping off the apple. Even though the apple ripped by itself and it fell on the floor, I still can't have that apple on Shabbat because of the Isur. This is categorized as Muqseh Mahmat Isur. Now that we categorized, now that we introduce the five categories of Muqseh that we'll be discussing, we want to give you some simple rules of Muqseh, some basic rules of Muqseh. Very, very simple halakhot, really. Like we said, this is really where the 40% of the of the halakhot come. Now The first 60% is categorizing Muqseh, and the other 40% is the details of the halakhot of Muqseh. Give you some really, really basic laws. And again, of course, elaboration will come later on. Number one is Mukse is forbidden to move in a normal way. And that means handling Mukse. You could only it's only forbidden to move it in a normal way. Let's take, for example, we said beforehand we cannot move a rock, right? So I can pick up the rock and move it away. I can pick it up with my hands and throw it away. But if I want to kick the rock. Since that's since that's not the normal way of moving it, so kicking it, just kicking it, that's not the normal way. I'm allowed to kick it. Likewise, if I want to blow on mukse, I have some dirt. Dirt is mukse. Let's say I want to blow away the mukse. <sighs> yes, I can do that on sh- on on Shabbat. Oh, I'm moving it. Yeah, but I'm not moving it in a normal way. Blowing on mukse, kicking away mukse, moving it in a weird way that's not normally done. It's mutar on Shabbat. Number two, touching Mukseh is permitted. It's only a it's only a suit to move Mukseh, but just touching it without moving it, then it's mutar. So therefore, if I want to touch a car while it's on, there's a car and it's on, it's mukse, right? The car is Mukseh. It's made in order to drive, which is a sword Shabbat. There's nothing wrong with touching the car on Shabbat. Why? Because by me touching the car, it's not gonna move. The problem is when you move mukse. If by touching it alone you'll move it. For example, a raw egg. Assuming people don't eat raw eggs, which I don't believe they do anymore. So raw eggs are usually mukse. People don't eat it. So therefore, since let's assume you know this egg is 100% mukse. I don't want to go into the details, but let's assume the egg is completely mukse. If you would touch the egg, just touching it alone, it would move because it's oval and it's gonna roll. So, therefore, even though we told you that you're allowed to touch mukse, but if you touch it will make it move, then it's forbidden. Another example let's say you have a candle coming down from the ceiling, kind of like a chandelier. So, a candle is mukse. To touch the candle is really not a problem. But since in this case that's hanging from the ceiling, if you would touch it, it will make it swing back and forth. That touching also becomes forbidden. So, let's keep in mind touching mukse is permitted as long as you don't move it. Another r- s- short halacha about mukseh, it's mutar to benefit from muqseh. Although you may not handle Mukseh, but it's mutar to benefit from Mukseh. Le-Mashal, we said bricks, stones, rocks, those are muqseh. Let's say you have bricks in the backyard, or stones in the backyard, which are made to build, right? They're mukseh. You want to sit on top of rocks on Shabbat? It's mutar. Even though by sitting on it, it will move a little bit, but that's not the way you move bricks. You know, nobody picks moves bricks by sitting on them. So therefore, it's permitted to sit on mukse on Shabbat, even though they might move slightly from you. That's fine. But I'm benefiting from mukseh. Fine, it's not a melacha. Mukseh is like we said. It's these are halachot of tishbot, and the halacha tells us that I'm allowed to benefit from mukse. Another rule of mukse: any food that's edible on Shabbat is not mukse. Any food, all food, all food that's edible that you could eat on Shabbat is not Mukse. However, if, let I mean to say, it's not even khalishim but that's what I mean. It's not Mukseh at all. It's not one of the five categories at all. You're allowed to move them. You're allowed to eat them. Even if you don't want to eat them, you want to protect them. They are not Mukse. Now, the exception is, like we said, the fruits that fell off the tree because they came into Shabbat Mukseh, because they're Mukse isur, or, let's say you have raw food that's inedible. You won't eat it and you won't give it to an animal. So then also, raw food will also be mukseh if it's inedible on Shabbat. Not all raw food is inedible. You can eat a tomato. Most of our fruits are raw, right? Talk about food that is inedible on Shabbat. is also That's accepted to the rule of food and there will be mukseh. Sefarim, finally. The last thing is sefarim are not mukse. All types of sefarim. I don't mean books. I mean to say sefarim. Newspapers, magazines, and books. We discussed those halachot. Which books and newspapers and magazines are you permitted to read on Shabbat? And whatever is forbidden to read on Shabbat, they're mukseh. But sefarim, which are made for Torah books, biographies, all these books, even if you're not planning to read them, they're not mukse. Even if you got in a fight with the author, let's say you have a book and you know the author is your next door neighbor. He asks him to autograph it for you and he says, I don't have time for you. Do I don't autographing you might be the safer for. And he got upset at them. Oh, yeah, I spent $27 plus shipping and tax to buy this guy's book because he's my neighbor. He wouldn't even give me a wholesale discount. And he has a chutzpah not to sign my book. Forget it. I'm not going to read his book. And you put a big X on it in the house. He tell everybody, nobody's allowed to read that book. It's not mukse. It's a sefer. It's made to teach you Torah. You have to learn how to get over your anger. So you should, you know, calm down and read from the sefer. So therefore, seferim are not mukse either. Okay? Now, these are basic halakhot. I, bet I don't go on and rule. Start ruling halakhot based on what we said. But this is a basic introduction to the laws of Mukseh, So we should, we should understand it. The next... Thing that I have in my notes, I have a big introduction here, a big uh, subject already to speak about, and with the four minutes left, I won't have time to be able to elaborate, to really, you know, ex- explain it properly. It's a Mahaloka, Rabbi Shema'on, Rabbi huda in Hilchot, Shabbat, this is really made for men, in the subject of mukseh. we'll keep it for next week, Rezat Hashem, and next week we'll begin already, the Halachot of mukseh from the bin ish Anybody who has a question right now, if you'd like to call in, we have a few minutes if you want to be on air. If you want to text in your question specific about Chod Mukse, we're more than happy to answer you. The number is 718-683-5858, but we only have two, three minutes, so make sure you have a short question only. If not, we could just, we'll go off the air and we'll be able to answer your question. If you'd like to text in your question, 347-927-8398. As we're preparing for the end of the class, so let me so as we're praying the end of the class let me just give you the times because that the next week we'll be here on hopefully again live Wednesday 2 o'clock this class which is the halachot of or really the introduction to the halakhot of Mukseh, will be on the website jrootradio.com and it will be aired on again tonight at 11 p.m. on jrootradio.com so stay tuned there's more great stuff coming up and we'll be signing off. If you have questions, text or call, we'll answer you by Zayat Hashem off the air. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Iran, for uh, for setting up everything. And Jay Root for hosting. Have a wonderful week. Shabbat Shalom.